Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do you see Sputnik over the other night? Anywhere in the world, someone could look up and see exactly what I saw. To everyone else, it was just a light in the sky. Let them have outer space. We got rock and roll. But to Homer Hickam, it was the future. Sputnik is a milestone in history. And just maybe a way out. College scholarships for winning a science fair? <laughs> I'm going to build a rocket. You better take an interest in your own town. Just don't blow yourself up. Night. Hey, should we keep behind something? What do you want to know about rockets? Everything. A lucky one will get out on a football scholarship. How about I believe in the unlucky ones? You better have a talk with your son, Elsie. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability. We're the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up over time. Though we haven't done a TV show in years. No. <laughs> I don't know why you want to say TV shows. Or movies, primarily. We rewatch movies, movies and we interrogate them. We do. Through the modern lens. Through torture. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Rocket Rob. Okay. That's, uh, that's, uh, I don't know if you're going for like a Guardians of the Galaxy thing. or uh, A if, little bit, yes. <laughs> it's actually – or if you like uh, um, salad on pizza. <laughs> what? What is that? Is that what it's like they call means? it rocket. In, oh, right. Like yeah. that's uh, – Like arugula. Kale. Arugula is called rocket. Yeah, yeah. I found that out like – Last week, and I thought that is so stupid. Also, <laughs> <laughs> the next person that tells me that, I'm gonna punch in the face. There used to be um, like this Roman herb called silifum. Okay. But it was also called laser. And that's <laughs> stupid too, because it had nothing to do with laser beams. So <laughs> old stuff is stupid, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so what is this? Syphilis? What was it called? <laughs> Something like that. All right. Uh, we are part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Damn right. And we uh, want to give a big shout out to our supporters. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for those people that go to – You're the fuel in our engine. <laughs> they go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and they give one, three, five dollars We're going to come up on, on a bonus episode soon mm-hmm. uh, that you get at a certain level. At other levels, you get the podcast ad-free. Yes. So you can listen to less ads 
Ads, man. That's that's what it means. They're bringing me free. down. <laughs> Except for our ads, which are great. Yeah, but there's some like cities in the world that don't have billboards. They like have outlawed billboards, and I I kind of want. Toronto I want to, to go that. to there. I, <laughs> yeah. the, the ads in Toronto are getting really bad. There's I could rant about it for years. Okay. Well, that's... in fact, you can go see my billboard. <laughs> billboards are bad. Yeah, just three billboards. That's square. All right, <laughs> three billboards. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for tuning into this episode we are gonna talk about a movie that is like near and dear to my heart and mm-hmm. that i haven't seen we're gonna shoot it into the stratosphere in a long while if you can tell by rob's puns <laughs> or the title of the episode that you clicked on it is called october sky yes it's a jake gyllenhaal starer see i thought it was the prelude to november rain <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I, I mean, it, this is weird because I've wanted to do this movie for a while, right? Because I wanted to know if it held up because it was one of those like '90s schmaltzy. It meant movies. a lot to you, right? It meant you wanted to become yes. a rocket scientist. I wanted to become. Jake you Dylan wanted Hall. to explore. Oh yeah, <laughs> you wanted his cheekbones and his milky blue eyes. Oh, th- thank you. That's very very no, nice. No, you wanted. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I wanted it so badly, I hear it everywhere I go. <laughs> um, no, I was so big into space when I was a kid, and right. I wanted to okay. be an astronaut when I was a child. Strange, but go on. Yeah, no other kid wanted that. <laughs> my godfather, who's like my father figure, he like gave me this astronaut pendant. Oh, yeah. That was like... <laughs> he should have like... given you a bunch of coal or something. <laughs> <laughs> then you would... <laughs> Succeed if, in your rocket dreams. If I was bad that year for Christmas, you would. would, have, would have your been problem good. is that you were supported, and that's why you never made any rockets. <laughs> <laughs> I needed an angrier father. That's right. Yeah, to push yeah, against. for sure. But yeah, that dream kind of went up in smoke when <laughs> I couldn't do math. I, I was very, very bad at math. Oh my god! And that's kind of the, that's the message of the movie. I know you can be bad at math and still be no, a rocket you can, scientist. You can learn. You can oh. just apply yourself and learn. Oh, no, like I didn't Jake get that message. Oh, you didn't have a teacher who was dying. <laughs> no. No, I didn't have a dying teacher to be like, to put so much pressure on me that I had to succeed. That's so mean. In the movie, she's like, she's like, uh, I just wanted my life to mean something. I'm dying. And this is Laura Dern. Like, I, she's so fucking amazing. You don't want to, like, let her down. I know. She's like, I wish that you do something great with your life or else my life will be if meaningless. You don't, it's all for nothing. <laughs> Ah. What a horrible thing to put on, like, a 17-year-old. Yeah. That's horrible. Anyway, I wanted to be an astronaut. I love this movie because rocketry was a fascination of mine, not a hobby. Right. I think my mom was too worried about me blowing myself up. Responsible. She was yeah, too responsible she was, to she let you blow yourself up. But I did, you know, I got, like, a pair of binoculars to watch I, the, the heavens okay. with. I learned all the constellations when I was a kid. I was mm-hmm. very geeky that way. I loved it. So this movie really, when I watched the first time, really spoke to me. Right. And it was I, right up your alley. It was, it was up my coal mine and alley. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to watch it again because I was like, it's not going to hold up. It's a schmaltzy movie. Aw, Blaine. And this is heartbreaking. I think we can make fun of it and me and uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know. It all. doesn't even seem like there'll be any sport in it. <laughs> I want you to have like some hopes, you know? <laughs> I want you to believe in yourself that you can like, you know, shoot to the moon and then just come whizzing down. Whizzing down, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so many of the rockets in this movie. Yes. Well... Rob, I I was unexpectedly surprised by this movie. Okay, and we can we can get into that. I'm sure we'll fight about it later because 
there is some schmaltz, and I know that you will hit on that and not like that from this movie. But, okay. Uh, but we'll talk you about have it. me figured so well. Yeah. You I, know me, don't you? <laughs> I know your tra- tra- trajectory. Um, you don't think that maybe I wanted to be an astronaut? <laughs> Rob, when you were a kid, what did you want to be? <laughs> a murderer. <laughs> okay, there we go. That was it. I knew it. It's not good pay, though. No. <laughs> you can get some money from the wallets, you know? So that's nice. Bank cards have helped a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I didn't see this movie. You've never seen this movie. This is the first time. Yeah, I thought I thought when you mentioned it, you were talking about Moonlight Mile with Jake Gyllenhaal and Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> and I think I thought like I think I knew that there was something with rockets, and then I assumed that there was going to be a rocket to the moon, Moonlight Mile. <laughs> the, <laughs> okay. So you're doing trajectory. a lot of you do a lot of free association before yeah. you watch this movie. You were like inadvertently. Uh, you were like warming up for an improv game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I didn't know about this movie. I didn't ever see this movie. You know, I I was a young boy once. I too am fascinated by space. Did you know that space is over a hundred feet tall? <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> well. Look it up. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I do remember, I would like to say... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> 100 feet tall. I would I like mean, you're to... not wrong. It just goes on longer than that. Okay. Okay. All right, Mr. Science Guy. Well, we actually had a rocketry unit in grade five. My, in grade five? Yeah, my really cool teacher, Mr. Pollock, he, I guess, was into rockets. Jesus. Probably, like, maybe he's, like, the Jake Gyllenhaal character all grown up. Right. But he, uh, we had, like, a whole rocket unit, and we made model rockets, and we fired them off in the school. And it was a lot of fun, obviously, because you're playing with explosives. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I, I definitely, once I saw what the movie was about, I was like, it kind of brought me back. Right, to you Pollock's know, class. Mr. Pollock's class. He just yeah. has some respect. Okay. I'm sorry. Was he dying? I think just on the inside. <laughs> None of you are going to grow up to be rocket scientists. I can tell. Yeah. Uh, no, that's... actually, he was a really good teacher. He was like one of those teachers who was very encouraging of me in particular, who I'm the only person I care about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, props to him for rockets and uh, not being a crappy teacher like so many of them are. That's uh, amazing. I think in grade five, I learned the different musical instruments. It was like violin and cello. <laughs> Maybe you were in a special class. We Oh, man. Yeah, my school was bad. But I wish I had that class. That sounds amazing. It was fun. So you so these rockets, how high did they go up? At least 100 feet? Or? Up to Saturn. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, I think they went up like 100 feet. They were pretty – like I think that they were commercially available kits and you would get them and put them together and they had like this little charge. It looked like a roll of pennies. Yeah. And then you know you would hook it up to a little thing and it would shoot up like a couple hundred feet yeah. and then the nose cone would come down on a parachute for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody inside there. Well, I mean, I think that was because that's how rockets kind of worked uh, back in the day when they were manned rockets. You have like a crew capsule that came It's it's fun for pretend. Yeah. There were green little uh, military men in there with the parachute. It's great. (laughs) But yeah, so I like, you know, I I too connected. Like this is a very like – this is kind of like a boys movie. Definitely. You know, science stuff and space and explosives. Yeah, yeah. So I can see why it appealed to young Blaine Waters. 
And so you would never – had you heard of this movie? Had you – I'd heard the title, but I thought that it had to do with like Jake Gyllenhaal was an actual astronaut and maybe like his wife was at home and sad while he was in space. <laughs> You're thinking <laughs> of Bubble Boy. But uh... <laughs> How did he do this before Bubble Boy? I know, right? Or how did he do Bubble Boy after this? He should have like read that script and been like, okay, I have some questions. He's supposed <laughs> to be in this bubble? <laughs> See, I was an astronaut in one movie. Like, no, Jake, you weren't. You weren't yet. So, Rob, for people that are like you that haven't uh, seen this movie, do you want to run down a little bit of the plot of this movie? And we should say this is based on a real-life person. Whoa. Yeah. His memoir. Wow. Yeah, that's right. It's the story of Homer Hickson. Hickam? Okay, whatever. Homer Hickam. (laughs) He is the Jake Gyllenhaal character. And he is from a small mining town, coal mining. You know, it's a tough life, and that's where all the men work. That's the life. Yeah, the town is literally named, like, Coal Town. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Coalwood. It's called Coalwood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two very different things for burning in fires. Well, Coal does come from prehistoric wood. So, you know, a little bit of science for you, Mr. Spaceman. Oh, my God. Was that your grade six unit? That was grade six. Damn it. But he, Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, he he doesn't want to live this coal mining life like his daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want your life. He wants to get out of that town. So he's going out for the football tryouts because that's the only way out is to get a scholarship and go to college. He wants to be a learned man. But he's so poor from the coal mines. <laughs> like, I think so many people in this day and age were just going to the city and there was ample jobs. Like, I don't know why the, the whole set of this movie is like, the only thing that I can do is coal mine if I don't become number one in my state at something. <laughs> like, it was like, I need to get into the Guinness World Book of Records or I'm not going to make anything of myself. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. I am from a small town. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there are unique pressures Mm. where it is difficult to see your world, to see that the world is that large where you can just go to the next biggest town, which has like 100,000 people in it. Right, right. And just live your life. Your your town is like a mining town, right? Northern Ontario? Well, not quite. I mean, I live near the mining town. Okay. But I know all about the hardships of mining because- you did the, drama and I did the community theater <laughs> in the mining town. And so I played well, I played a lot of minors. You know. Yeah. And I have lots of experience with That's the perfect, yeah. You know. Yeah, you've dark lived a life. As a dungeon and damp as the dew, where the pleasures are many and the terrors are few. I think it's the other way around. The terrors are plenty and the pleasures are few. It's been a while, but I still remember what the darkness that, of the mine is like. That seems pretty idyllic from what you just sang. <laughs> I really want to go coal mining now. No, yeah, no. My my town, the town that my parents lived beside, is called Cobalt, and it was like a silver mining town. Right. And so when I was. <laughs> In... Isn't cobalt like a uh, metal that you can mine as well? It is. And... So why was it silver mining and named You know, cobalt? shut the fuck up. <laughs> they also found cobalt there, but not as much. <laughs> and silver's worth a lot more, you know? Okay. All right. There was a place called Silver City, too. But mm. uh, anyway, that's not besides the point. But yeah, so I did like a, a couple summers of like community theater mining stories <laughs> where we tell the stories of the miners. And they're hard... You yeah. know, small town lives. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I do feel 
a, a small, very small connection to people who work their lives hard in those sorts of trades because, yeah. uh, you know, for a lot of people, that's what their life is. And Jake Gyllenhaal, for him, it's going to be his life because that's basically what the town is. It's like a farm for the mine, you know. <laughs> Just before we go on, is it Gyllenhaal or Gyllenhaal? Is it like – I feel like this is the gif jif question. Just... I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal, but Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. That's how they differentiate themselves. That's right. Yeah, we're not just uh, we're not we're not just using our parents' name to get ahead in Hollywood. No, no, no it's pronounced totally different. <laughs> but Jake Gyllenhaal, even though he goes up for the football, thing, he's not good enough. So he he's he's not going to get a scholarship that way. Though his brother. Yeah, he he's you know a big burly football guy. I mean, you can guy. tell from his hair that he's good at football. <laughs> yeah, that like uh, just shave off the top haircut. The yeah, Devil's Mountain haircut. <laughs> Devil's Mountain. <laughs> yeah, but so he is sad. But there is other stuff that's happening in the world. We hear a radio broadcast talking about something called Sputnik, mm. and this is a satellite put into space by the Ruskies. Don't be scared. <laughs> It's just the Russians up to their old dirty tricks. <laughs> Don't worry. This satellite will not sway elections. <laughs> yeah, that's just right. up there beeping. <laughs> it's not guiding Donald Trump's <laughs> Twitter thumbs. <laughs> oh, God. But Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, the whole town is fascinated by the satellite because it's the first satellite. And it is so low to the ground that uh, people can even gather and see it. Right. Yeah. So... Jake Gyllenhaal sees this and he decides, I want to build a rocket. <laughs> and he just says it at the at the dinner table. And nobody on the Welch team that can catch him. I wish the scouts could have seen that first game with Blue. I'm going to build a rocket. Like Sputnik. Well, I'm not saying it's going to go up in space or anything, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to build a rocket. Well, just don't blow yourself up. <laughs> More eggs, anybody? Yeah, there's not – there's not – Sputnik is one thing. And I know it's based on a true story. But like usually in a movie you have kind of this inner reason why someone wants to do something, right? Well, yeah. Plus, I mean being inspired by Russian science – treason <laughs> he should be executed there, i'm saying there was a deleted scene on the cutting room floor where he was hung his uh, dad you know <laughs> turns him into this fbi <laughs> i'm uh, doing it for the mines <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't know the first thing about rockets no though he does write to a german rocket scientist a real life german rocket scientist dr werner von braun who is working with the americans on their space program a little bit of history for you yeah and that's after he kind of uh, came over from i think it was world war 2 he was working with uh, yeah i think he was a member the of the the not what's the the nazi party yeah, <laughs> is that yeah what my, that was called yeah no one's heard of it but uh he, he was working with them, and then America was like, well, come work with us. Like, you're good at what you do, and you killed a lot of our soldiers. So um, it's – that's all so complex and very weird. Like, when the, when the Nazis fell and America just, like, took all their scientists – yeah. yeah. I mean, it was definitely questionable. And there's a whole bunch of ethical 
stuff around whether the stuff that Nazi scientists did, whether we should be using that research right. and all of that. But uh, yeah. I sincerely doubt the October Sky podcast is the place to talk about it. Hey, you know what? Whenever <laughs> I drive my Volkswagen, I, I boot up my IBM and drink my Fanta, and it's all good. <laughs> Spritz myself with Coco Chanel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So Werner von Braun is kind of his... His idol. A little role model, yeah, for yeah. him. Yeah. But he doesn't know the first thing about making rockets. So first, he's going to do something that is very admirable. Mm. He is going to cross the cafeteria floor, and he is going to talk to a nerd. Even though he might be socially ostracized for talking to a total dorkmeister. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like the good-looking heartthrob Jake Gyllenhaal, so I don't think he has that much to be worried about. Yeah, probably uh, he's, not. He's fine. Yeah, he does cross the floor, and he talks to the the quintessential nerd from every 90s movie, <laughs> Quentin. Quentin. Yeah, and there are some differences from the movie to the, to the real life. Quentin, oh, really? Quentin was actually the good-looking one. Oh. Uh, and smart. <laughs> and Homer was... Not great looking and trying to be smart. Are these yours opinions or somebody else's? This is from the book. This is from Homer's mouth himself. Okay. So, yeah. I see. And, of course, Quentin is played by uh, that fucking kid from American Pie. Yeah, no. He's everywhere. He was everywhere in the 90s. Was he? Yeah. He has that, like, kind of, I don't know, like that a little bit of an overbite, red hair, freckles. Like, was he just cast when Seth Green wasn't available? <laughs> like... Entirely, yes. <laughs> I think this is like his biggest – it feels like his biggest role because usually he's like the side character that says like, all right, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think right? this was the only one where he wasn't awful. Yeah, where he's not <laughs> saying like boobs and then everyone's like, I guess we laugh at that. Yeah. Yeah. That was his main role in the he 90s. Was, he was – wasn't he the one who set up the like peep cam in American Pie? Yeah. Or something like that? Yeah. Nerds. <laughs> the worst. They'll get their revenge. <laughs> they will. Yeah. But so Jake Gyllenhaal starts building these rockets slowly, you know, trying to figure out what it is, how to make them fly straight. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> into the air. <laughs> because immediately when he asked Quentin, like, do you know anything about building rockets? He's like, yeah, actually, the Chinese invented rockets. One thousand. I just wanted Homer to be like, shut up. But the, like, I just want you to tell me how to build a rocket. That's why I'm here. <laughs> you going to the history lesson? I don't need it. Just proving that you know so much. I don't know. Yeah. I got, I got mad at that kid. Apparently. All right. I'll just stop with my history lessons, Blade. <laughs> Sorry to explain things on the podcast. Just, you know, I, I knew who the Nazis were, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so they start building these rockets and firing off. The first few, they don't go exactly as they planned. Like, the first rocket that Jake Gyllenhaal builds just explodes. Yeah, and, like, almost kills him and his friends and yeah. explodes his mother's fence. Mm -hmm. But then he gets one of the dudes at his dad's shop, the machinist for the mine, mm -hmm. he gets him to, like, start machining him parts for the rockets, and they start shooting those off. But still having some problems because at one point he shoots a rocket which almost, like, hits his dad's office. Yeah. And it's while he's having, like, a big meeting where they're telling him he's going to have to fire, like, half the town. <laughs> yeah, his dad, like, is one of the... I guess managers in the mine. So every, he like works with the union mm -hmm. to keep everyone happy. Yeah, and he's played by Chris Cooper. He played so well by Chris Cooper. He's fucking Chris Cooper. Yeah, I know. He can he can he rapped in Looney Tunes. 
He can do anything. He can do anything. He's so good. Yeah. But his dad is understandably a bit upset. (laughs) And, like, the sort of movie makes it seem like, oh, it's mostly because his dad doesn't understand his love of science, but also because he doesn't seem to be very responsible. (laughs) Like, shooting off rockets, like, 20 feet from his dad's office. Yeah, yeah. That's not great. That's not great. And he's like... (laughs) Don't you ever let me catch you with these fool things on company property again. <laughs> so this is what you've been up to in the basement, huh? Yes, sir. Damn, Homer. You could have killed somebody with this idiot thing. Oh, sir, I'm sorry. I didn't... Oh, Homer here wants to be a rocket scientist. Is that it, John? He had no idea what he wants to be. But I know what he is. He's a menace, and he's a damn thief. Damn. And so is whoever helps you. Act Bykovsky did this, didn't he? Don't you ever let me catch you with these fool things on company property again. You understand me? <laughs> I say, I say. <laughs> I know, he's very Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> I kept on thinking of uh, Bobby Boucher's mom. <laughs> you call it football, I call it foosball. You call it rocket science, I call it foo science. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that's a big problem for them because well, – Yeah, their whole relationship is hung up around this like Homer wanted to do rockets and Chris Cooper wanted him to not say that his whole life is a waste. Yeah. <laughs> but the the fact that he promises not to shoot any more rockets on company property is a problem because the company owns everything. Yeah. So they own the houses. They own everything. Like it's a company town. And so they have to go out like eight kilometers Probably miles. It was miles. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's even further. <laughs> yeah, it's sixty percent further. Oh my god! Sure. <laughs> now I'm glad they made a movie about these kids. <laughs> they had to walk so long <laughs> uphill both ways, Rob. Well, they have to go to this like very far away place to start shooting off the rockets, and so they make it their little launch pad and call mm-hmm. it Cape Colwood. Mm-hmm. And this is where they start like in earnest, really rocketing. Yeah, and then they kind of get their their the newest member of their group. So you have Werner von Braun who's kind of the uh you know, we want to be like him and then the guy in the machine shop that kind of gets in trouble by right. by Homer cuz his dad is like who made these rockets for you and he's like oh your friend the machinist and he's like well he's not in the machine shop anymore. He's in the mines. Right. Uh which is pretty bad. So they need another someone to like help them make the rockets. And here they find the only black man in this film who kind of is like, I I did some flying uh, with the red. Yeah. Was it like the red tails? Yeah, wasn't, the, there that, the, wasn't there a Spike Lee movie about that? Yeah, for sure. And it was in World War II. And so he's like, I know that this is like the metal is heating up too much. So you need a different type of metal. And I can order that for you and help you and help teach you how to weld and like be your mentor. Right. Uh, but you need the money for that. Right. So these kids are snookered now because they're all poor. Where are they going to get money? Yeah. <laughs> From stealing railroad <laughs> tracks. Yeah, which never happened in real life. What? Yeah, that was all just an invention of the movie. Oh. Well, they... I stole a bunch of railroad tracks this morning. Okay. <laughs> I saw them making money. I wanted to make some money. It's copper. You need to steal copper, Rob. Okay. Okay. That's that's the way to do it. But they were actually stealing something underneath the tracks. Like certain – it might have been copper underneath the tracks. Oh, so they were stealing something. They just weren't stealing – okay. Well, that's a lot better. I know. In the IMDb trivia, it's like, no, they weren't stealing at all. But yeah, no. In the the actual book, they were stealing They were going to put it back after (laughs) – 
after the train went by and derailed everything, which kind of happens in the movie. This tra- train they think is going to derail and, and right. murder a bunch of people. Yeah, it gets pretty standby me-ish for a second <laughs> yeah, there. Exactly. And they're like trying to put the railroad thing back. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. almost harrowing. Yeah, almost. But then, it was like the what, the train wasn't on that track. Yeah, it was. It was a defunct track. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then they would have died. Yeah, and this is based on a real story. And if so they died, then there would, would be no real story to tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, there would be. It'd be told by different people. Right. It'd be like <laughs> Mr. River or something. Yeah. 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 But so they get in trouble. The police show up at school because they apparently started a forest fire with one of the rockets. Yeah. And so now they're in big trouble. And they have to, like, disband everything. Yeah. And the way they disband their fucking coal wood, Cape Colwood, is they Molotov cocktail it. Yeah. Like, that's kind of—I guess they're used to, like— Explosives, but I don't know. That's they just a want to extreme. have some fun with it. Let's be honest. Yeah, they're like sixteen-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I should say the rocket launches have become like a little bit of a local attraction. You know, they don't have much to do in a small town. Yeah. <laughs> so people have been going up to the ridge and watching them shoot these things off, and mm-hmm. uh, it become like a little bit of a community building sort of thing up to that point. But then. They can't do it anymore. And also there's a big accident at yeah. the mine. And not only does their machinist friend die, mm. putting the blood clearly on Jake Gyllenhaal's hands. <laughs> yeah, but his dad gets uh, – almost loses his eye too. Yeah, that's his head right. crushed. And it should be said that his dad says to Jake Gyllenhaal like the, the guy that died that I put down in the mines because he was working with you – I gave him a chance to go back to the shop, and he said, no, I make more money down here, so I'm going to stay down here. Yeah. So it kind of lets Jake Gyllenhaal's character off off of the, you know, his, he didn't murder that a man. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> in, in in real life, that man was totally sent down there because of Homer Hickam. What? And he died. So, uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. That makes and, me feel terrible. And it wasn't just one guy. So, what? <laughs> yeah, it was both. Huh. Homer's dad sent down 23 <laughs> guys to die. Yeah, it was both. A lot of Homer's friends, <laughs> friends from school. <laughs> he pulled the, the support out himself. The dad did. Uh, no, I, but there was multiple people that were helping Homer, and his dad was like, I don't want you to do this. I'm going to send those guys down to the mine. That's fucked. So, yeah, it's uh, Homer in his book and subsequently has said, you know, I, I do feel responsible for their death still to this day, which yeah. is which is fucked. That that's well, like this I mean, thing that this guy. That was the yeah. murderer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Crazy. carrying that with you. Nah, oh, man. Bad. But uh, Homer kind of carries it with him a little bit, too. And well, he starts working in the mines. Well, first, I mean, his brother – Offers to go to the mines, but uh, Homer can't let him do it because he has his big football scholarship that he yeah. would rather have. Also, isn't uh, his brother dating the girl that he wants as well? Yeah, his brother is a fucking dick. Uh, I don't know if he's a dick. He's just what? not very interested in, you know, he's just not paying attention to Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, I guess. He's doing his own thing. He, I feel sympathy for him because he's also, you know, he has nothing. Yeah. All he has is that he can play football. Look at his haircut. <laughs> it's it's you... designed to fit in the helmet. <laughs> but, yeah, he does go down and uh, start working in the mines. And he yeah. is so fresh-faced and young and innocent-looking compared to these, mm-hmm. I mean, 
their, their grizzled old coal miners. Yeah, and their faces are black with coal dust. Yeah, it, you know, it made me think of uh, Zoolander. Trudeau? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> it also made me think a little bit about Justin Trudeau. <laughs> But no, it made Zoolander. me think of Zoolander. Sure. Like I was sure like this is the movie that they must have been parodying. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got the black lung. <laughs> yeah, it's it's perfect. He does work there for a while, but then he kind of wakes up one night and is like, I think I can figure out where that rocket went that everyone says caused that fire. Well, yeah, because his dying teacher is like, learn some fucking math, I'm dying. And then he's like, oh, <sighs> I guess I could use math. <laughs> that's such like a norm mcdonald thing how many people had to die for these guys to go to the science fair <laughs> i guess you could use uh what's it called oh yeah math to figure it out so he does he uses math he, he frees all his friends from their metaphorical handcuffs because they were in real handcuffs earlier on right and he can go back to making rockets now, which is which is pretty great. And his dad's so into it. Yeah. Well, he is mildly supportive <laughs> at one point. He gives him like some old cement or something, doesn't he? Yeah, he gives him some old cement earlier on. But he's also like, well, I'm glad you're going to do rocketry, but like get back to the mines. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, I ain't never going back to the mines. <laughs> I'm not going to be like you, dad. I'm going to be my own person. <laughs> and his dad kind of hurts his dad. Yeah. Um, and then he does get to go to the science fair. Well, they go to the science fair and they win the first round and they're going to get to go to the next round in Indianapolis, but only one of them. So mm-hmm. uh, so is it the smartest kid in the whole group that like did no. all the science? No. Okay. No. It's the one with the blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so Homer Hickam goes to uh, the science fair. But to be fair, it's his rocket. I mean, yeah. he's the project manager. He is. Project- That's how it should work, right? Yeah, he really does take after his father in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he goes to Indianapolis, and the worst thing that could ever happen happens. There's a strike at the mine, mm-hmm. so his dad is uh, working with the union to try to get them off strike, but he doesn't want to work with the union at all. No, and he then, hates the union. Yeah, well, I mean... Unions! Who, who, looking after their shareholders, doesn't hate unions, you know? Yeah. It's just like everyone knows... How bad unions are. They just fight for the rights of the worker. No, it's just, just awful. They're just trying to get people from not getting killed. <laughs> and if people don't get killed, how are you supposed to teach your boy a lesson about rockets? <laughs> <laughs> We're looking out for the kids. Yeah. Not just the board. But also while Jake is at in Indianapolis, he's demonstrating like this part that is important for the rocket. And the then, nozzle. The nozzle. And then somebody steals. For the part that is important to the rocket. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, I need to get that part back and I can't make it here. He phones home. He has a lifeline, I think. He's allowed to use one. Mm-hmm. And they get his dad to kind of give the union what they want so that he can. Well, it's his mom, really. Yeah, it's who's mom. like, John Hickam, if you don't let your boy do the science fair by stopping the strike for the mines. <laughs> Might be some ethical concerns, but you better do it or I'm going to leave you. And so he has no choice. Yeah. Because divorce is just a real bitch in 1954. <laughs> nothing but a bunch of greedy sons of shut bitches. Shut up, John. Just shut up. Homer once said you love the mine more than your own family. And I took up for you because I didn't want to believe it. Homer has gotten a lot of help from the people in this town. They've helped him build his rockets. They've gone out there and watched him fly them. But not you, John. You never showed up. Not even once. 
Now, I'm not asking you to believe in him, but he's your son, for God's sake, John, and I am asking you to help him. If you don't, I'll leave you. I'll find work. I'll do whatever it takes to get away from here. I'll live in a tree to get away from you. Don't you think I won't? So he gets it back on track. They make the the nozzle. They ship it off to him. He gets it in time, and he wins the science fair, and he even meets Werner von Braun. Right. He doesn't even know. Yeah. He because shakes he, hands with him. But, yeah, somebody has to tell him, don't you know who that was, boy? Yeah. That was famed scientist, G- German von Wormann. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who tells him? Who? Uh, the biggest overactor in the entire world. I don't know his name, <laughs> but that guy is so fucking into that role. He's just like, do you know who? He is? It's just his face is all over the place. He's yelling at uh, at Homer. Well, he's it's excited. The he's one of the smartest men in the world. Yeah, but he you is could be enthusiastic crazy. about that. Yeah, it it looks like he is gonna like just lose it. It looks like he's already lost it. <laughs> he is he's insane. But this uh, is the this is the real emotional button because, you know, he, there's his dad and like people are like, "Hey, aren't you even excited about your hero?" and he's like, "He's not my hero. My hero's my dad." <laughs> and then his dad does that ugly cry thing yeah. where he goes, "Oh uh, no, that that's not true." He, no. do that he dies movie. of black lung. He dies of black lung, and then his mother moves to Myrtle Beach, where she threatened to go if they got a divorce. Yeah. So she really had a thing for mini golf, <laughs> is what I know about Myrtle Beach. Wow. So yeah, uh, Homer does become an astronaut trainer after all. Some of his friends become pretty successful. Okay. And that's the that's kind of the end of the movie. Yeah. 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 I also like what did the really smart guy end up doing? He just like worked for some shitty company. <laughs> yeah. He oh no he opened his own insurance company. Woo! <laughs> which does a lot of good for the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to infinity and beyond. Your rates. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some behind the scenes. I'm going to ask Rob some questions. Okay. Not related to the movie, just things I've been wanting to ask questions. you. Yeah, for a Is while. This for my astronaut test? Uh, it. We'll put you in that machine that uh, makes you puke a lot and uh, see how you do. The wa- The dryer? <laughs> I literally put my friend in the dryer when we were kids because I thought it would be good training for inner ear shit. I did exactly what you said as a joke. Oh, it's so stupid. You're a monster. No, I turned it on and heard a boom because he fell. Why did you make a rocket? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, we'll be back in a second uh, to talk about how bad I am to my friends. Um, thank you very much for listening. 
Oh, Clueless. Clueless. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have Grace Smith on the podcast. Amazing. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about... Clueless? Clueless. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're talking about October Sky, which we should really do in October, but we always do, horror, we always do horror movies. This is a horror movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... It's about the horror of your dad not being proud of you. It's like everyone that he loved died in this movie. Yeah. It was like the teacher that he loved Just died. Like life. Oh, God. All right. Well, oh, yeah, no, that's sad. Rob, my first question for you. We're going to do a little bit of trivia here. Okay. My first question for you is... Is this uh, rocket science? Because I don't, I'm not good with math. Okay. So uh, what's the equation for Occam's razor? That's not... I think that has an equation, is it? That was a trick question, and you passed. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, why is this movie called October Sky? Oh, it has something to do with Eisenhower's uh, line about Sputnik or something. Like, uh, yeah, the Sputnik's going over the October sky. Yeah, that's in the movie. And, and I'll accept that answer. That's pretty okay. good. I know I know that the book was called Rocket Boys, but that sounded uh that was also the name of a porno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's 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 not my type of stuff. <laughs> but uh very good production value, I'm going to say right now. There uh, speaking of which, there is or was a spoof porno of this movie. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Cocktober Sky was no, I don't know. I don't know if that, that's what it's called, but that's the only thing I can think of what it's called because it came out and then Universal Studios like punished them so hard. Like Whoa. we're going to take them to court, so they just like buried the movie and never released and never like really released it. Wow. So we'll never get to see October Pies. We'll never get to launch that <laughs> rocket. <laughs> Whatever it was called. I want to know the name, Rob. I'm sorry, Blaine. I want to know the name. It's going to haunt me. <laughs> so it Your was. dreams of being an astronaut have been dashed. <laughs> Going straight to Uranus. Yeah, so the uh, Universal also said that uh, no woman over 30 would watch a movie called Rocket Boys. So that's why they renamed it to October Sky to make it play better with. They uh, would if it had Channing Tatum in it. <laughs> <laughs> the rockets in his pants. The other thing is, is that October Sky. Beyond all these reasons, Eisenhower said that for sure. Sputnik was launched in October. There's so many good reasons to have this movie set in, and and to have this movie called October Sky. The other one is that it's an anagram of Rocket Boys. Whoa. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Damn. Yeah. Anagrams. <laughs> They're like rockets for your brain. <laughs> Just blew it wide open. <laughs> All right. So so this is this is a crazy question. Okay. What does this movie have in common with sci fi author Neil Stevenson? Uh Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, Snow Crash, I think, was one of his books. Both their dads are Chris Cooper. <laughs> he is infamously the... Chris Cooper gets around. <laughs> the son of Chris Cooper. They're, like, I'm sure, three years apart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have no clue. I don't even know who Neil Stevenson is. He's, a, he's a, Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. Can you name two of his books? S- Snow Crash is one of them, and the... Cryptonomicron. Om, Omnicron. No, I can't. 
<laughs> they are both together the reason why Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos's rocket company, exists. Oh, yeah. okay, yes. I did read something about that. Like, the only person who saw this movie was Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> and he fucking liked it. <laughs> yeah, he loved this movie. He It, it inspired him. He was like, maybe that's what I should do with these billions of dollars I'm stealing by paying no tax. Yeah. And then he talked to sci-fi author Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson was like, you should actually do that. And if you do... I will help you in any way possible. And so Neil Stevenson was actually one of his first employees at Blue Origin. Oh. Uh, you got to dream big. So that's why you need sci-fi authors again. So did – I mean I can't keep track of all the space organizations. Yeah. Have they done anything cool? Are they up in Mars or yet? Yeah, no one's on Mars yet. Uh, <laughs> so uh, – <laughs> Is there an Amazon on Uranus? <laughs> <laughs> Her name's Peg, <laughs> and she's just a beautiful person. Um, so yes, he Blue Origin is like one of the big three players. So there's like Blue Origin, uh, Virgin Intergalactic, mm-hmm. and or Virgin Galactic, and then SpaceX okay. are kind of the three big ones. I think Bert Rutan was helping with with Blue Origin for a while. Who was like a big rocket guy himself, and so that's all I I know about it. I read. Nonfiction books about it, and then mm-hmm. forget everything that I just read. So that's that's. <laughs> I mean, it, that's what we got to. That's what we got I, to. I'm just looking forward for somebody to finally be able to shoot a rocket a hundred feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> and if Amazon's the guy to do it, yeah. Well, then by all means, Mr. Amazon, get to it. Yeah. Though I I I also like Virgin because um, that's my phone, and uh, I like the. Uh, I mean, I don't like, but I've become like Stockholm syndrome to the Australian voicemail lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. no worries. <laughs> <laughs> We've hit an asteroid. No worries. I'm ejecting the crew. <laughs> <laughs> why, is, why is she so murderous? She's just, I, she has, you know, it's a, it's a Hal thing. All right. Question the third. What was Jake Gyllenhaal's first screen credit? Oh, mm. so it wasn't this. It wasn't this. This was his first, like, kind of leading role. Oh. But what was his first screen credit on IMDb? It's a, it's a big movie. You will know this movie. Okay. It's not like a bit part on a TV show or anything like that. I don't know. I can't think. Yeah, you know, I know he's like a Hollywood person. Like, his parents were screenwriters and yeah. all that stuff. So uh, I can't think of it. What? So you can't look into your crystal... Ball to do it? Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, City Slickers. Oh, he, yes. Yeah, he oh, kid. my God, right. <laughs> yeah. He plays the kid. Yeah. We got to do City Slickers. I know. I loved City Slickers. I remember loving City Slickers, too. Mm-hmm. I remember loving Curly's Gold even more. Yeah. <laughs> That's like when you were kids and only got the sequels to things because they were cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw both of them. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, no, I, I was big into the mythology. Yeah. I'm still waiting for City Slickers 3. Yeah. Curly's Revenge. <laughs> when he kills Billy Crystal. <laughs> well, they're going to bring Jack Palance back with CGI. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're bringing everyone back with CGI. The 
other screen credit, like he, I mean, he's been in a lot of movies, Jake Gyllenhaal. But this was 1999. 2000 was Donnie Darko. Right. He did Donnie Darko in this back to back, and this was when was Bubble Boy? Right after that. Wait, Don, Bubble Boy was after Donnie Darko? Yeah, it was like 2001. Oh man, Jake, Jakey boy, I know. You need to make some better decisions. <laughs> he made great decisions, but like, oh man, yeah, Bubble Boy is not it. I've never actually seen Bubble no, Boy. Either. It would be great. To it do could on the be podcast. an amazing film, yeah. but also it's a really sad story because uh, the Bubble Boy died. Yeah, he was sent down into the mines and <laughs> got the black lung. <laughs> yeah. he, sh- he shouldn't have been out of his bubble. It's it's a horrible thing that kid went through, and they made a fucking com- like slapstick '90s comedy out of it. Yeah, but that was back in the days where like you didn't, you weren't able to search for information that would make you feel sympathetic for people. <laughs> you would read like like a, a four line paragraph right. in the newspaper, well, be like, "Fuck him, then." Boy survives yeah. in bubble, and that'd be like, I guess I'm writing a screenplay on that. <laughs> <laughs> Bubbles are funny. <laughs> Bubbles are funny. Oh man, yeah. So, besides this movie, this is the, the question, the fourth. Okay. What four questions? What do Jakey G? My rocket scientist. What What did Jake Gyllenhaal and Gyllenhaal have in common with Warner von Braun? Oh, I think I know this. Yeah, did you read this? I think, yeah, I did, that they are related. They are related. They are like... Uh, distant cousins. They're distant cousins, yeah. And and who is their... Both members of the Nazi party. Right. Yep, <laughs> no, that was it. That's not true. That's not no, true. No, that's uh, absolutely true. No, <laughs> it's so libelous to bring it up. We have to sign a form after this now. Anyway, it's William the Conqueror. Whoa! Who's yeah. had his own porno... William the Cocker. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's great. <laughs> and that's a little bit more up your alley. <laughs> I like history, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like things up alleys, those, too, those, in my porn. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to get it inserted into their orifices. <laughs> God damn it. All those history textbooks look <laughs> mighty torturous right now. Okay, so there are some differences between the movie and the real-life happening. This is okay. based on Homer Hickam, a, a real-life person. Mm-hmm. So there were six boys in this rocket club, not just not just four. Whoa. And they combined a bunch of these kids to be the, the four kids that you saw. Oh, man. So – Yeah, we didn't talk much about the other kids because yeah. they are boring. But yeah. there's that uh, – I think there's that one guy who is the, uh, the hacker scientist dude in Fast and the Furious. Oh, yeah? The guy who's too precious to live. <laughs> Not the football player, the other guy that with the no, no the the guy that didn't have the drunk dad. I can't remember. All right, all right. Yeah, they were all right. They were kind of they kind of blended into each other anyway, mm-hmm. so it was hard to it's really hard. differentiate them. Yeah. So there were there were six of them. It's probably a good thing they went down to four. You could have cut them down to three. Yeah, to be honest. Honestly, the Homer never met. Warner von Braun. What? In real life. No. And you Why? Might think, you might think that's because he wasn't at the science fair, but he was. What? He was at the science fair, and Homer found out that Werner von Braun was at the science fair, and he's like, he's my fucking hero. I'm going to go meet him. I thought his dad was his hero. No, no, not in real life. His dad died really uh, young from black lung, and so he's like, yeah, my, my dad wasn't a strong man. So, uh, no, he didn't say that. That would be horrible. No, he, uh, he he liked Warner Von Braun, so he wanted to go into the uh, hall to meet him. Uh-huh. So he was at the winner's table. So he went into the hall to meet Warner Von Braun and uh, to 
to not talk to anyone that was handing him scholarships at the winner's table. But then Werner von Braun left the main hall to come to, to Homer, and then the whole thing was over, apparently. So it was a comedy of errors. And they wow. never, And then he never met Werner von Braun. And I Werner guess von their Braun trajectories died. just didn't intersect. Yeah, he, did, he didn't do the math on it. Yeah. He should have done the math, yeah. Uh, now Lord Dern is dead. <laughs> now Lord Dern is dead. <laughs> The, his, his dad was his hero, uh, to to be fair, and so the movie did say that, uh, and that's great. But his one regret from the movie was that his dad kind of looked like a hickam. You know, he kind of looked like a guy who didn't read a lot. His dad had a whole library, right, and was a very learned man, and right. so uh, he helped uh, with the math on certain things. Oh. He, he helped Homer a little bit. So, oh, that's good. You know, for the conflict of the movie, you needed that, but there was still conflict there, but not as much as the movie right. says. And there was a fire. They did. They were accused of starting a fire with a rocket, but they disproved that the same day. There was no, like, being arrested or whatever. <laughs> did they use math? <laughs> <laughs> they did. They used math, and they said that our rockets only went up 100 feet or so. So they were very much in your camp. All right. And all the rocket stuff was completely real. Everything that happened, blowing up the fence, almost blowing up each other, the rocket going into his dad's window and into his office right. was real. Whoa. Uh, so all that stuff was was kind of cool and real. Uh, Frida Riley was the teacher, played by Laura Dern. Laura right. Dern does such a great job. I She does, but it's such like a – I mean it's such a flat character. Like her job yeah. is to inspire these kids because she's there yeah. and then die because her job's done. <laughs> I mean, I did look it up and I saw that like that part of the story is also true that yeah. they did have a teacher who passed away. But just the way that it's dramatized, yeah. I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. She was she was sick, but she did manage to come to their final rocket launch. They didn't name the rocket after her. Oh. It was Auk, you know, 1700 or whatever. Uh, but Homer says he wished he named it after her because that was a really nice touch in the movie. She did. Maybe if he spent more time thinking about people's feelings and less time thinking about rockets. Your head in the clouds. She died with with what she had in the movie, Hodgkins. But uh, she did teach into the last second. She was brought in by her students on a stretcher to teach classes. She Ooh. she didn't want to stop teaching. Teaching was her whole life, and she loved teaching that much. And it was way after high school that she died, so it wasn't her watching oh. the rocket launch from the window. I see. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think she sounds like a really incredible person yeah. uh, to to be teaching on her deathbed. That's I insane. thought that line where she is talking about how like her life will have meaning because she'll continue to inspire all of her students that are coming in. Yeah, like she's gonna have like it was said like she was gonna continue to have students when she right. obviously was gonna die. Yeah, yeah, it was sad. It was a heartbreaking line. Yeah. It was it was well done. The yeah, we already talked about the guy dying uh, in the thing, and the last thing was that there this. So I don't I don't even want, we maybe we'll cut this out, but I read uh, several articles on this and, w- and one of them was like there was not um, a man that fought with the red tails in this town what there was not a black man to be seen in this town working in the mines what it was a very 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 white town in the 50s segregation was still a thing so i was reading this article and then i and then the guy was like yeah and you have to make it like not only is it that you have to put a black man into the movie, you have to make him a red tail fighter. And I was like, oh, I'm on this like, like, you know, Alberta proud, like website. 
reading about this movie. <laughs> oh no! All this stuff was like about about how they're like making every movie woke, and I was like, I got to get off this website. <laughs> oh my god! How did oh, I find that through no. searching October Sky? No. It's the worst. But- well, I mean, I think there is something to be said about like movie marketing that tries to put diverse characters in places where it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, then don't put it in there. But uh, right, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think that the it's, it was, it's also a thing where you're making art, you know, and yeah, you you can be historically accurate, but you're also representing cultures on on screen, and so you do have the responsibility to not just show. You know, yeah. white middle-aged men on screen. I don't know. Well, for sure. For sure. But, I mean, like, also to – I mean, would those kids have been – like, would that relationship have existed in the 50s? Right. Where, like, young people, young white kids are right. associating with an older black person? No, I or, get like, that. Or, like, what would the consequences of that be? Because the movie doesn't actually show or play with that or – Yeah. You that's kind of cool. It would have been nice to see that played out. Like a he's bit not more. really a character. Yeah, if you if you do change it from real life, change it for a reason. Like actually have something in there where there's conflict that would happen in that time period. I'm I'm with that. Yeah, and yeah. this movie, I think one of. I mean, I know that you love this movie when you were uh, yeah. young and it inspired you and everything. But it does have like a real flatness to it, mm. where like I feel like the characters, like all the characters, are just sort of reduced to, like, what they mean to this boy and to making these rockets, which is so strange. Like, like, the Laura Dern character... Are you saying the guy that wrote Adam Sandler's Bulletproof... Is uh, writes flat characters. Wait, I would. Was this written by the guy who wrote Adam Sandler's Bulletproof? (laughs) Yeah, because that's fucking awesome. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah, this guy has written so many different types of movies. He's right now. He's uh, been penned to write the Chicken Soup for the Soul movie. Uh, That seems about right. Bland. Right for a kind of this type of movie, but like Bulletproof. I don't know. That's. It's just like he's written so many different types of movies. So it's kind of cool to. See. Yeah, but I mean, all of the characters, their like motivations are so like thin and two dimensional. Like, there's even like Jake Gyllenhaal likes this girl, mm-hmm. and uh, then there's this other girl who seems to like Jake Gyllenhaal, though they kind of just look like the same girl. I can't really tell them apart. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think they auditioned for the same role, and they're like, both are good. Let's put them both in. Sort of. That's how it happens. Yeah, but. Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, sees the girl that he likes with his brother and looks sad. And then the other girl sort of comes up and he's like, oh, this is fine. There's another girl. But we don't learn anything about either of those people. Right. Like, they're not people in the movie. No. And it's the same as The Machinist. It's the same as this guy who tells them about the nozzle. Yeah. Like, even, like, the dad is reduced to, like, he's, like, the conflict. He's like, I don't want my boy making rockets. And the mom is just like... I'm trying to be supportive while holding the family together. <laughs> yes, no, you're you're entirely accurate, and I think that's like a symptom of studio movies in the '90s for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah, that. Uh, there's no really real excuse for it, but I, I wonder why. I, man, I, th- I think it's also because you're taking a real life story and you're trying to write it big, mm-hmm. and I think. You don't need this writer thought that he didn't need motivations because this really happened. So like, what did the like? What did the real person? What was their motivation? They just liked. 
they they saw Sputnik and liked it, so they wanted to build rockets. Yeah. But like as a character and as a film, we do need those motivations. We do need the whys behind what's happening. Well, and the motivations between the other characters and what's making them make the decisions exactly. that they make. Like we don't know why Laura. I mean. I guess other than the fact that she's dying. Yeah. We don't know why Laura Dern inspires Jake Gyllenhaal. We don't know if, like, I don't know, she had a brother or something. I don't know. I mean, like, that sort of, like... We also don't really see them connect as much as I would have hoped. And yeah. As much as I remember. I think, like, a lot of my memories about the relationships in this movie were kind of manufactured afterwards. Yeah, like, the connections seem, like, almost symbolic. Yes. Like, they reference other connections in other movies, yeah. and then we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, like, this is the teacher who inspired him, and then she passed away, yeah. and that's sad. Yeah. And this is the guy who broke the rules, and, you know. Totally. I mean, you said Zoolander aped this, but, like, I feel like this was aping so many other different types of movies at the same time. It's like, oh, we want the inspirational chariots uh, of fire thing, and then we also so want the um, uh, well, they should have called Vangelis because <laughs> they needed him. <laughs> There's no majesty in this movie. No, like even when the rockets like fly into the I air, know. it's not like majestic. There's only the one scene where I guess it's where Laura Dern is watching from her hospital bed, and you see yeah. the rocket. You're like, that's okay. actually pretty sweet. That that's gives a good, you a yeah. sense of the awe and the wonder and like the bigger sort of like thing that these characters are grasping for. Well, and, and that's and that's such a beautiful scene because all these characters are spread throughout this small town and watching this rocket take off and everyone is a part of something. Yeah. And everyone thought that they needed the coal mine to be a part of something, but you, 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 they didn't, you know? And this town is more than that. And it just represented so much more in the movie. And I thought it was a beautiful moment that we needed so much more of in this movie. Yeah. And I, I was pleasantly surprised at how it held up in certain regards, like that scene. And I think Jake Gyllenhaal's acting. and Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's all right. He's great. And Chris Cooper, like, just does a bang-up job. and I like that nerdy kid, too. He was good. The, the nerdy kid was good. I, I thought uh, the <laughs> – I'm just going to call her wife in this movie because <laughs> that's what the movie kind of uh, relegated her to. I thought she was really great, too. And there was there was some, like, subtle little things where she was painting the walls and the bullet went into the wall when, uh, you know, someone came by to shoot right. at the Union Buster uh, dad. And there were certain things like that that I thought – Yes, there's some symbolism here. There's something deeper and richer in this movie that Joe Johnston as a director is just not getting to. Yeah. And I really wanted him to. I, you know, he did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Right. And so I think this was kind of maybe a, a movie that could have punched above its weight, but Joe Johnston was almost making it for kids, you know, and dumbing it down a little bit yeah. more than I think it deserved to be dumbed down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you think of it when you were watching it? I mean, it was fine. It was just super earnest, and I didn't find myself, like, really swayed by it. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't find myself really caring for these kids. Uh, I wanted them to succeed in shooting more rockets. But, like, the like the stakes were so low. Like, I, yeah. I know that he's going to get a scholarship at the end, but they didn't really, like – didn't really, like, show me that he, like, his desire for it. There's, like, the one mention at the beginning. But then he's mostly just like, I'm just content shooting off these rockets. Yeah. Because that's my that's my bag. Yeah. And even the, the science stuff, like, they would shoot off. 
they they would have like these hypotheses for all their rockets, and they'd shoot off like twenty a day mm-hmm. to like test all their hypotheses, and then go back to the drawing board and do it again. And it never really showed the science behind it. Yeah, and I think that it could have in a really interesting way that would have brought out more of the, all their characters because they were all just kind of like this kid has the has a limp and this kid's dad died this kid's dad beats him and it was just kind of like we didn't really know who they were but in the rocket club if we knew who they were in the rocket club that would have been really helpful yeah for us and even some of the like building the rocket stuff like it felt like that all just happened very easily yes like even when they were you know asking their dad's employees for parts like I don't know, like you could make that seem difficult or, you know, make him yeah. seem really conflicted or, you know, just show us some of that so that we feel like it's not just super easy. Like, I know. this movie seems like, oh, yeah, this kid who had access to all of his dad's stuff just built rockets with his dad's stuff. Yeah, it's not rocket science, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it should feel hard. It should feel so difficult. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that was my review for the porn version of this movie but uh, it, sh- it should feel really difficult and it doesn't and every time they hit like a wall some new mentor is there to be like well let me help you with that mm. and i i just feel like it wasn't that in real life it couldn't have been that and well maybe uh, it was but it's just it's not who, dramatic yeah, you know exactly. it doesn't uh it doesn't it, it doesn't inspire me you know yeah, for sure I'm, like i'm not sure quite why they made this movie into a this story into a movie yeah without making it more of a triumph like this this is a, this is the the following the structure of a sports movie where someone overcomes something mm. like their own station in life to be to be something great at the end yeah but we don't ever feel that we feel a little bit of it at the end i'm you know what i take that back we do feel a little bit of it at the end when when homer you know, sh- almost shakes Warner Rob Braun's hand. So that's cool. I like that. But it also makes me think, like, it was 1954. It was the space age. Who wasn't fucking shooting rockets? What kid wasn't, like, doing <laughs> science experiments in his bedroom? Like, there has to be, like, a hundred people who are doing this. And because they didn't look like Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> we don't get movies about them. I'm right. saying, where are the hidden figures okay. of October Sky? <laughs> Uh, uh, well, we can cover that in our Hidden Figures podcast in like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I mean, yeah, it just seemed very earnest. It didn't really, it didn't bring me into the heavens. Right. And I'm glad that I saw it, but I don't think that I need to see it again. Yeah. And so I'm going to say not rewatchable, Blaine. That's fair. I'm going to say slightly rewatchable if it was one of those movies that inspired you as a kid because it did give me those feelings again of wanting to do something really great with my life. Like, you know, after watching this movie, I I, I didn't dilly-dally and, and go on Reddit or anything like that. I went right to work. I felt inspired a little bit by this yeah? movie to, like, do something. And that felt really great. And wow. so. Maybe not for the machinations of the movie, but for the feeling it gives me, I will probably watch this one again. Yeah. And for anyone like me out there who's been inspired by it and hasn't seen it in a while and you need a little pick-me-up, this movie will kind of bring you back to what you initially felt. Okay. It might not re-inspire you or give you those same feelings you felt when you were a kid, but it will remind you of those feelings for sure. Okay. So that's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to say thank you so much for tuning in this week on Rewatchability. We will be back next week with another podcast and 
if you want to support us and can't go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and give us uh, money there and get the podcast ad free and early, uh, you can go to Tee Public and pick up a T-shirt that JM has drawn. You can tell a friend about us. You can retweet us on Twitter at rewatchability. You can join the conversation on Facebook and uh, uh, just maybe, yeah, uh, tell, tell a friend about it. Because that'd be really great. Or about podcasts in general. Get people to listen to more podcasts. Or about rockets. Or just get into rocket. By which I mean arugula. <laughs> Good callback. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.